I just had surgery yesterday and had my appendix taken out. So there we go. And I'm going to be preaching from a stool if that's okay today. Is that all right, everybody? Yeah. Oh, thank God. Let me just sit down. Okay. No, I'm actually doing really well. Um, it, I, I had pains at Thursday night prayer meeting. And remember I said, I said, man, let's just pray for healing. I, I had pains in my stomach. Little did I know that my appendix was coming out. And uh, anyway, we had a good time. It was awesome. And I thought I'd show you a little documentary that I did while in the hospital at like three in the morning. Would you like to see that? <clears throat> Here's just a, a few snip shots. Let's, let's roll. Roll tape. I'm about to get my appendix out. Just found that out today. The coolest thing about this whole deal are these tote socks, baby. appendix is gone. I had him uh, take it out and they gave it to me. I'm going to make a necklace out of it. It's going to be awesome. And my voice is really... I finally get to eat everybody and I'm in the mood for some chicken. Wait a second. How'd they get a whole chicken in this packet? That ain't right. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's my appendix documentary. It will be on Showtime and Discovery Channel later this week. Anyway, they, they had to shove the tube down my throat, so my voice is a little weak, and, um, but I'm feeling good. I don't have much pain. I'm heavily um, medicated, so if you, if you don't like the message, you can blame it on that. If you like the message, you can blame it on that. But today, we're ending our series called Detox, and it's a great series that we've been in. How many have enjoyed this series already? Wouldn't it have been great? Yeah, it's been phenomenal. A lot of churches have done this series, actually, and a lot of churches have done it around the country. And Chris Hodges did it. We're borrowing his series for this. And I feel like it's a pivotal series for us because we're coming out of the summer slump. We're coming out of, uh, you know, doing life. Sometimes you start doing some stuff you shouldn't have started doing. Sometimes you stop doing some stuff you shouldn't have stopped doing. And to be honest, we need some time in our life where we just kind of recalibrate. We re refocus, re-aim on some things. And that's what this 21 days of prayer has been. And I really want to encourage you to come this Thursday night to our prayer meeting because we're going to kind of end the 21 days of prayer this week and we're praying for friends and family members who don't know God yet that we're praying that God would soften their hearts and draw them in by the love of God. So you'd love to, love to be a part of that this Thursday night at seven o'clock. But here's the deal. Grab your notes, grab your pens. Here's the deal. Most of us would agree with this statement that life just kind of happens. It just kind of gets busy and what happens many times is stuff just has a way of creeping into your life, even though you don't want it. Would you agree with that? You agree with that? Yeah, that's true, man. I love clean cars. I mean, love a clean car. You just love a clean car. I do too. There's nothing like a clean, brand new car. When you first get a car, you're super meticulous, super fastidious, and you're like, kids, we're not eating anything in this car ever. Three weeks later, they got a fistful of fries and like soda on the carpet. You know what I'm saying? One time we were in Mexico and on a mission trip. We just got a brand new minivan. It was new to us. It was like eight years old. But we, I said, no food. And then we get to Mexico and it's a missions trip. I'm like, okay, it's, we can get some Costco pizza. So we got Costco pizza. I slam on the brakes. The whole pizza goes on the floor. Cheese down. You know what I'm saying, everybody? And we were so hungry, we ate it anyway. 
That cheese was still in that van. I saw a 2001 Toyota Sienna minivan. That's gone now, but the new owner still has that cheese on the floor. He couldn't get it up. But I love a new car. I love just, I mean, when it's clean, when it's brand spanking clean. I just love it when it's newly washed. Nothing like that. But here's the problem. Here's the problem, everybody. We don't live in a dust-free or a dirt-free environment. So it doesn't matter how clean you get your car, there's going to be a way that dust and dirt sneak its way in and creep its way into your, into your car. And here, I thought I'd show you a couple of pictures. This is a picture of probably the dirtiest car I've ever seen. We have this Jeep, okay? This is the dirtiest car probably you've ever seen. It looks like stucco's just been, like, like the dirt's just been stuccoed on, man. It's just so dirty. And I'm not really sure how they drive. Um, but the next one, here's how you know your car is really dirty, if they could do art on it. Check it out. Okay, you know your car is dirty when they can paint Einstein on the back of your car. Here's another. This is dirt art on windows. That's not very good. That'll make me call the police. That, yeah, they're crazy, like all the dirt that comes on people's cars. And uh, I saw this bumper sticker one time. It said, do not wash. This vehicle is undergoing a scientific dirt experiment. Some of y'all need that. I've seen your cars in the parking lot. I know there's a drought, and some people are like, man, I'm just going to wait for nature's car wash. Whenever it rains, that'll be my car wash. The truth is, we, we love clean cars. We wash our cars, so we'll go out and wash it ourselves, or we talk our kids into washing it. Uh, or we'll take it to a car wash. Now, in a car wash, you can have a lot of fun with people because you're in this cave-like structure, and they do a lot of trust. Like, they, tr- they trust you a lot because it's touchless. Everything's touchless. Don't touch my car. I don't want you touching it. So now it's just the high-pressure water, which is scary because if you think about it, they trust you a lot because one wrong move, like a kid rolls down a window, that's decapitation. Like, that, that water's so, so strong, you know what I'm saying? Well, I didn't roll the window down um, in, in there on my wife, but I, I did have a little fun with her. And I'd like to show you this video. You saw that, ladies and gentlemen. That's abuse right there. Okay, listen, if you ever want to have a good time, that's good, clean fun right there. You roll the window down right as the air, you know, all the air is blow dry and it's come in and you just roll it down and it, it, I promise you it's a party. You're going to thank me later. When you roll out of your car wash, man, you, ro- you ride differently. You're like, yeah, I got my car clean. Feels good. Everything smells good. But I'm telling you, you can't keep it like that. You got to really work for that because here's the deal. We don't live in a dust-free or dirt-free environment and we, it's all around us. Matter of fact, everybody do this for me. Just take one deep breath in. Ready? One, two, three. Congratulations, you just inhaled a bunch of dust, dead skin, and hair particles. That's nasty. I looked up on this this, this week online. Here's, here's the truth. You inhale about a pound of dust a year. That's nasty. Turn and tell somebody, that's nasty. You're just nasty. It's everywhere around us. So even though you wash your car one time, guess what? You have to maintain it. My point is that when Jesus comes into our life, God cleanses us from all of our sin. But there are several verses in the Bible that teach us how to maintain that. Last week, we talked about let us purify ourselves. And we've been in this 21 days of prayer because, honestly, we need to detox some things in our life. So we talked about the triune parts of who we are. We are body, soul, and spirit. So the first week, we talked about how to detox our spirit. Second week, we talked about how to detox our soul, mind, will, and emotions. 
get rid of anger and bitterness, and you can watch those online. And today, or last week, we talked about how to, how to detox our body. The body is the flesh side of you. It's the flesh and blood side. It's the part of you that you have your passions and desires. And we just have to make sure that our body is submitted to our soul, and our soul is submitted to our spirit, and our spirit is submitted to God. I'm telling you, that's how we can do this. And so you say, well, how in the world can we do this? Let me read you some scriptures because I want to help you maintain. Many of you have come to me and said, Sean, this, this prayer meeting, this, this 21 days of prayer, the detox series has been life-changing for me. We've heard a lot of great miracles take place. How do we maintain this so it doesn't just kind of go away? So here's what I'm going to do today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Look in your notes or look on the screen or grab your Bibles. And Paul is writing and he says this. May the God of peace, everyone say peace. I wonder if there's anybody that's grateful that we have a God of peace. Like you can't find this kind of peace in a bottle. You can't find this peace in a relationship. It comes through God. And may this God, the God of peace himself, make you entirely pure. I love that. When you come to God and you give your life to Jesus, he makes all things new. He cleanses you from the inside out. And we're pure and devoted to God. We're devoted to God because of what he's done for us. And then it says this, and may your spirit and soul and body, there's the triune part of who you are, be kept. Everyone say kept. Okay, underline that word kept, circle it, highlight it. That's what we want to focus on today because how can we keep strong? How can we maintain this purity, this strength that God has for us? He's saying that God's going to help us with this in our spirit, soul, and body to be kept strong and blameless until the day when Jesus Christ comes back. Okay, here's, here's what I'll look at today. How do, we, how do we keep ourselves? How do we do that? Because we all have seen the person, or maybe it's been us, where we make a strong commitment to Christ, and then we leave and fall away from God. How could, how could we keep this? If, if God has given us something so valuable, so precious as forgiveness from all of our past, he's dealt with our yesterday, and we want to make sure that we give him our tomorrow, how do we do all this effectively so we're not falling away? And I want to tell you today, it's possible. But I want to get extremely practical today, okay? So you get your pens out, get your notes out. I want to give you some very practical advice on how to keep this and try it. Try it for six days. Try, we have six more days of 21 days of prayer. We're focusing on praying for friends and family members that don't know God, that they would come to know God by the end of this year. Invite them to the church. But here's the deal. If you really want to start a new habit, ladies and gentlemen, you need to do this for about 21 days. It takes 21 days to start a brand new habit. So try this stuff. And I want to give you a leadership principle from John Maxwell, okay? John Maxwell has this principle called, uh, what is it called? The rule of five. The medicine's kicking in. There we go. The rule of five. Okay, here's the deal. If you have a tree in the backyard and you want to cut down this tree, here's the principle of five. This just feels right. <clears throat> All the front row is a little nervous. Here's the deal. When you have a tree in the backyard, you could go in the back, and let's say it's a really big tree and you want to chop it down. Well, you could spend all day doing it. Or you could take the principle of five, and you just take the axe, and you hit it five times. One, two, three, four, five. You go in, you put the axe down, and you go about your day. The next day, you come again, you get the axe, and you hit it five more times. One, two, three, four, five. That's it. No more than five. Go, go away, come back the next day, and the next day, five times. Don't do it all day, just don't miss a day. 
Look at me, everybody. I guarantee you that tree's coming down. What this proves in our life is, first of all, we have to find out, what's my tree? What's my tree? Ask yourself this question. What do I want to accomplish in life? What am I trying to accomplish? Well, you need to identify that, your goals, the God dreams that God's given you, and then you need to address it every day. Not all day, just don't miss a day. Because sometimes we get a little overwhelmed with thinking, I can never conquer it. No, if you do it every day, every day, if you put these principles into practice, you will conquer the dream or the goal that God's placed inside of you. This is a biblical principle, really. Look at Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs 17 says, an intelligent person, turn and tell somebody, that's you. Come on, turn and tell, tell a person who's your second choice, that is also you. An intelligent person aims, there it is, he aims. This is not random. This is not happenstance. He aims at something. He aims at wise action. Look at the second part. But a fool starts off in many directions. Isn't that the truth? Like a wise person aims. They're aimed at where they want to go, what they want to do in life, and they have the axe and they're chopping away. A fool starts off, and he does one thing this day. He starts another thing the next day, never finishing anything, just kind of here and there, all over the place. Ladies and gentlemen, that's frustrating. And then that fool turns around and says, why isn't my life changing? It's because you haven't focused on anything. You haven't been aiming at anything. And this is going to help you. I promise you this is going to help you. This is going to be so simple. But write this down. There's, a, there's four steps, okay? Four things to add to this principle of five, okay? And first of all, and by the way, if you're a, a cheerleader or you used to be a cheerleader, you used to remember this cheer. Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. How many remember that? You remember that? Okay, so when we say these other points, I just want you to, in your mind, cheer them out, okay? Here we go. First one, write this down. Be intentional. Be, be intentional. Some basketball players need to hear that. Can I hear a good amen? So be intentional with your goal, with your dreams, with the five things that you're going to do, not all day, but every day, because listen, reaching your goals, your dreams that God's given you does not happen by accident. Accidents happen when you're not paying attention. Destiny happens when you submit your life to God and pursue him passionately and say, God, I'm willing to obey your word to get to where you want me to go. Come on. Is there anybody awake today? I believe with all my heart that we have to be so super intentional with what God is doing in our life and where he's leading us. Because this this is not something that you're going to get to by mistake. You don't fall into destiny. You walk according to the purpose of God. He says, this is the way, walk therein. So be intentional. Now that I know what to do, now that you figure that out, then write this down. You need to be practical. Be, be, Be practical. Be practical about it. Some people overshoot. Some people... Uh, they, they, they overcomplicate things. And I'm just telling you, if I have a tree and, and, and I want it to come down, I have to use an axe. Okay, listen to me, everybody. This is what a lot of you are doing. You're trying to chop down a tree with a baseball bat. And you're frustrated because nothing's happening. You're swinging. You got a lot of energy. And your hands are starting to hurt. And now you're frustrated. Now you're giving up on the dream because you've been swinging with the wrong thing we got to be practical. What is it going to take to get me to where I want to go? Choose the right tools. Choose the right people. Get around the right friends. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, be practical. Be, be, be practical. 
Because a lot of people have wise and good intentions, but they don't have the right practice. They haven't found the right practice yet. So you want to win? You want to you get to where God's leading you? You have to be practical about this. And many times we, we will say, well, what does that mean, Sean? What does that mean? Well, you have to use the right things that God's given you in the toolbox to accomplish, to build what you want to build. So if your marriage is falling apart, don't say, you know, I, I, there's nothing I can do. You, have you tried going to a marriage small group yet? Be practical. Be, be, be practical. And by the way, don't take this into a fight in your wedding, your marriage. But a lot of us are saying, oh, I've tried everything. I've tried everything. You're not trying the right things. If you're lonely, get in a small group. If you're feeling like, man, I, I, I don't feel like I'm making a difference in the world, get on our dream team. You need to use what God has given you, the tools, the proper tools, because good intentions are n- of no value if they don't have the right practice following it. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Amen. Is this all right? Yes or no? Okay, number three, write this down. This is important. Be consistent. Be, be consistent. Be consistent with, with what you're doing. Be consistent. Not all day, just don't miss a day. I work out. I know you can tell. And um, when I first started a few years back, I, I go up to this guy. You know, some people in the gym, they just have muscle on muscle. They have, they have muscle in places they shouldn't even have muscle. Looks like they have two heads, like right here, right? You don't need all that muscle, sir. <clears throat> so I go up to this one guy, and his arms are just massive. And I look at him, I'm like, hey, um, I'm just starting out what would you recommend? It's like five years ago. What would you recommend for me to do? And I thought he was going to tell me about how to do this many reps or, you know, how to, how to, how to do the exercise the proper way. He looked at me and says, be consistent. And I was like, I know. <laughs> but that is the truth, right? Be consistent. Listen, you'd agree with this. You can't get good at anything unless you're consistent. I don't, I mean anything. You want to play the piano? Be consistent. You want to play the drums? Please be consistent. You want to grow in your, your faith with God? Be consistent. There's a great book called 10,000 Hours. 10,000 Hours, they did a study of all of these people who are experts in their field. Anybody from like a, a golfer, pro golfer, pro basketball player, Bill Gates, here's what they found. By age 18, they all had 10,000 hours in that field that they were an expert at. Look at me, everybody. You become what you practice. You become what you practice. You, want, you, want to, you have some dreams in your life? Be consistent to get to it. Not all day, just every day. Don't miss a day. And sometimes we, we shy away from stuff because it's like, man, I want to go to the gym, but I don't feel like spending an hour there, so I'm just not going to go. Well, don't spend an hour then. Spend 30 minutes, spend 15 minutes. Or if you can't make it to the gym, do some jumping jacks in between your TV show during the commercial. Just don't miss a day of, of what your five would be. And I promise you, this is going to make it so simple for you that, that every day you're chopping away at the tree until one day that tree is going to fall down. You're going to conquer it. So here's the fourth one. Here's the fourth one. Expect results. Expect results. I didn't go very well with the whole cheer thing, but I want you to remember it. This is where faith comes in the room. This is where we believe in a God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think according to his power that's working inside of us. This is where you actually are believing for what you're praying for to happen. You're expecting this. In John 10, 10, Jesus said that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
Can we all agree he's doing a pretty good job of that? Destroying families, destroying lives. Jesus says, but let me tell you what I came to do. I came to give you life so that you could have life to the, shout it out, everybody, to the fullest. I want you to have this life to the full. And God is serious about this. I want you to have this. I want you to have this life that God has given you. And I'm just saying, let's just get past the stage of us being in an emergency all the time. Like, we're always putting out fires because we're not intentional about stuff. And whenever something happens, all of our attention goes to the emergency instead of planning out our day, instead of organizing and prioritizing. I want you to live life to the full. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, write a list of five things you want to do. You're five, okay? The principle of five. What do you want to do? And then write a list of that and then do that every day. Do that every day. And I want to encourage you to do that. That's your homework for this week. Write a list of things you want to do. It could be this. This is some things on my list. I want to pray every day. I want to pray. So the very first thing when I wake up in the morning, I pray. I pray. MC Hammer said we have to pray just to make it today. So the, the prophet MC Hammer has told us what to do. Pray. That's what I, I want to do that every day. Not all day. Do I pray all day? Nope. But, but I just don't miss a day. Guess what? The accumulative effort of prayer every single day, if you do that for five years, guess what? You're going to be really in touch with God. Second thing I want to do every day is I want to read my Bible. I want to read every day. So every day, every day, I want to read the Bible. Number three, I want to I really love those who are closest to me. Those, my family, I want to love them really, really well. I try to do that all the time. Our team here, I wish I could spend time with everybody at the church, but I know if I spent time with everybody at the church, you wouldn't like this church because we wouldn't have time to do the stuff that God's called us to do. So and in relationships, in small group settings, we get in places where we can love each other. And number four, I want to make a difference in somebody's life every day, every day, whether that's a text message, whether it's opening the door for somebody, whether it's buying somebody's coffee, whether it's smiling at somebody, letting somebody, I want to make a difference in somebody else's life. And number five, make sure that you take care of yourself every day. You know, do stuff that makes you smile and and, and have a release of some sort, gym or workout or your passions. But what are those five? Okay, well, take your five. It doesn't have to be this five. It could be any five. Take these five and do them every day. You want to you you be strengthened? You want to last? You want to maintain what God's promised you inside of your heart to accomplish that? Do these things every single day with the right intention, the right aim, the right focus, and I guarantee you something's going to fall in your life. And you say, well, Sean, where do I focus? Focus on the five. Do this for 21 days. Focus on that five, and I promise you stuff will start to turn. Now, here's, here's something that you need to know, and that is your life will be better when your spiritual life is better. So we can focus on a lot of practical things in life. I want to go to college. I want to do this, this, and this. But I promise you, your life will be better when your spiritual life is better. So that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek, shout it out, everybody. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will fall in place. God's not against these other things. He just needs to be first. And when he's first, I'm telling you, everything else starts to fall in place. What happens many times is we work things backwards. And we want to do all these other things and expect God to show up. And God's saying, if you just put me first, I'll help you with all this other stuff. So here's, here's how we put God first, all right? Number one, let's end with this. Number one, it's important to acknowledge and thank God every day. The swing of the ax every single day. Acknowledge God. Thank him. I wake up in the morning time, the very first thing out of my mouth in many days is, good morning, God. Good morning, Father. Thank you for another day. Thank you for your love. 
Thank you for your grace. <clears throat> this, is, this is critical that every day we're doing this. Not all day. I don't thank God all day. I'm thanking him, though, as much as I can. And whenever, I, whenever God does something for me, I just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so grateful. You know, in Romans chapter 1, the Bible describes people that had a reprobate mind, those who, like, turned away from God, and God gave them over to that. Here's how they're described. They neither worshiped God nor gave him thanks. Like, that's how wickedness and wicked people are described in the Bible. They didn't worship God, and they sure enough didn't give him thanks. We ought to be the most thankful people on the planet. We ought to be hyper-thankful about everything that God has done. Give thanks to the Lord with a grateful heart, for he is good. Amen, everybody. So thank him, thank him, thank him. And, and I told my girls a long time ago, they love gifts. Anybody else have that, that love language, you just love gifts? I had three birthdays this week with my daughters. Mariah, Thursday, and then Victoria and Alexandra on Friday. And, I had, and then I had my appendix out. Happy birthday. <clears throat> They, when they get a gift, it's so fun to watch them get a gift. My wife is the best gift giver I know. She, she'll, she'll come along. My birthday's in December. She'll come in like August and be like, I bought you something for your birthday. Open it, open it, open it. I'm like, no, we got to wait till the, my birthday. You're no fun at all. Well, I am fun. I'm heaps of fun. We told our daughters ever since they were little, I love watching them open presents. It's the best because they're so expressive. They're so excited. I mean, they're, oh, and their little faces light up. I told them this, girls, as long as you keep being grateful and thankful, the presents will keep on rolling. The moment you stop being grateful and thankful, you get socks. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't make that up. I promise you that's what we said. So our girls, it doesn't matter what they, even if they don't like it, they're like, oh, wow, dad, thank you so much. Give me kisses and love. I'm like, yeah but I take care of their needs too. It moves my heart. Thankfulness moves my heart. How do you think it moves God's heart? You have a heavenly father who loves you dearly and has given you everything. Ladies and gentlemen, we ought to wake up every day and praise God and thank him for what he's done. The psalmist writes this, Psalms 145. I will exalt you, Lord. I'll lift you up. My God, the King, I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day. Somebody say every day. I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness, no one can even begin to fathom. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this is an attitude. Thankfulness is a choice. You could wake up in the morning time and be thankful. You could wake up in the morning time and be miserable. It is a choice to say, God, I'm thankful. Well, Sean, what are you thankful for? I'm not sure what to thank God for. Let's start with the breath that you just breathed. Let's just start with the fact that you woke up this morning, that brand new mercies was here when the sun rose this morning. Come on. Is anybody grateful for Thanksgiving that we can give to God because he's forgiven you, he's cleansed you, he's washed you, he's given you hope, healing, love, joy, peace? Come on. Thank him. I got to be careful, otherwise my, my stitch is going to pop. But I'm telling you, thank God every day. It doesn't have to be all day, but just don't miss a day. There's a story in the Bible that's so sad. Jesus came, and there's 10 lepers. They had leprosy. 10 lepers came to Jesus, and were asking for healing. He healed them all. He said, as you go, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. One of them came back and said, thank you, Jesus. You changed my life. I was an outcast, and now you set me free. You've given me a fresh start. And Jesus looked around and said, wait a second. 
There were, there were nine others. Where are they? Don't be the nine where God blesses you and we forget to give him thanks. Be the one that comes back to Jesus and says, God, great is your faithfulness, God. I love you. And I'm so thankful. Every day, just swing the axe every day with thanksgiving. Number two, talk to God. Talk to him. Talk to him. We didn't say prayer here because it is prayer. But the problem is, a lot of times when I say prayer to people, they freak out. Because you, you associate prayer with that formal sentence you're supposed to pray to a God you think is from England. <laughs> and you overcomplicate it and you get nervous. Like if I said, hey, come up here and just close in prayer, most of you would die. Most of you would die. You would just hyperventilate. You'd die. Your heart would stop. Here's why. Because you're trying to compare yourself to other people. You pray. Like you don't have to pray in King James. I release you from praying in the King James. Our Father, we beseech thee in thine tabernacles and ask that you bestoweth upon us a blessing that would lasteth the rest of the day. If I mean, it's just, what are you saying? You, why do you feel like if you talk in an ancient dialect that you're closer to God? And don't compare yourself to anybody else. I sure wish I could pray like him. What does that even mean? I just want to pray like her. You've never said that about somebody who talks. Like you've ne- I promise you, you've never been at a restaurant, heard somebody order, and you just say, I'm not going to order today. I just wish I could order like him. <laughs> he knew the whole menu by memory. Quoted it back to the waitress. I could never order like that. Just talk to God. Is this helping? Come on. Just talk to him. Prayer is communication. Watch this. The number one area that is most important in any relationship is communication. Oh, so no wonder the devil's been attacking you so much in this area. Because he knows if he, can, if he can get you to be insecure in talking to God, there won't be the connection that you need to go where God wants you to go. So just talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. <coughs> Psalm 68 verse 19. It says, praise be to God, to the God, our Savior, who daily bears our fancy prayers. That's not what it says. Our burdens. You come to God, and he bears your burden. Every day I'm thankful. And every day I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm thankful. And then every day I tell him what I need. It's a mixture. Prayer is this. It's a combination between telling God what you need and thanksgiving. I'll show it to you in, this, in the Bible. This will revolutionize your prayer life. And David prayed many times like this. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything, but in every situation, pray. And petition. Petition, that's, God, I need you. Watch this, comma, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There is a balance. It's give and take. It's, Lord, I thank you so much for waking me up. And then it's, Lord, I need this. Sometimes I need this, and Lord, I go into thanksgiving. David many times would start off by, Lord, where are you? My enemies are surrounding me. I'm about to die. But then he'd remind himself, but you're a defender. You're my shelter. You're my king. Sometimes he start off with thanksgiving and move into need. It's just back and forth. But you can pray like, wait, come to Thursday nights. We'll teach you how to pray. And I believe with all my heart that God is going to help you change your prayer life. Here's what you need if you want an effective prayer life, okay? Write this down. You need a time, a time to pray. Pick a certain time. Pick a time and keep a time. 
put it on the calendar. You put other things on the calendar, put God on your calendar. So what, what time of the day, and these are decisions you should make today, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, what time do you want to spend with God? Not all day, just five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Treat it like a meeting. Many times if you were talking with somebody else and somebody else walked in, you'd say, excuse me, I'll be right with you. Why do we, why do we allow phone calls and emails to interrupt our prayer time every day? What if we just said, okay, I'm going to take 10 minutes, God, I'm going to give you the first 10 minutes of my day. It's all you. God, I love you. I thank you. Here's what I need today. Psalm 5, verse 3. <clears throat> Psalm 5, verse 3 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. Where, when does this guy pray? In the morning. So I pray in the morning too. It's biblical. All the morning people, where are you at? All the night people, where are you at? Yeah, you, you, the night people aren't so biblical, but I love you. My wife's a night hog, man. I'll come, home, I'll come downstairs. She's reading her Bible at 1 in the morning. I'm like, I couldn't even find my Bible at 1 in the morning. 9.30, I'm out. I can party all night long as long as the party's over by 9.30. So I read in the morning. I pray in the morning. I, pr- I talk to God in the morning. That's my time. The very first thing I do when I wake up, I stay in bed. I wake up because I don't go back to sleep. I'm a morning person. And I just th- thank you, God. And I start to pray pray. You need a certain time to pray. So make a time this week. Then number two, you need a, you need, you need a place to pray. Where's that going to be? For me, it's in my bed because everybody else is sleeping. I wake up earlier than anybody, everybody else. And I just lay there. I lift my hands. And I pray. Sometimes my daughters walk in. They see me lifting my hands. They're like, oh, he's seeing God right now. He's about to go to heaven. <laughs> I just love, I love my time with God in the morning. But you also need a place where you're not distracted. If, it's, if, it, if you don't have a place for this, you're going to be distracted. In college, you've heard of a prayer closet. I literally did that. My roommate, Donald George, was not a morning person, so I'd wake up before him, and um, I would go down the hallway in my dorm to the janitor's closet, close the door every morning, every morning at 5 a.m., and I'd pray for an hour. I'd just kneel down. It was me in the mop bucket. Man, that mop bucket's getting saved in Jesus' name. <laughs> You will be clean, and you will fulfill your purpose to clean these dormitories. I prayed about everything, and every, I learned how to pray right there. It was my prayer time. Maybe for you, it's the car. Some of you need to pray in the car. Maybe it's on a walk. You're going to walk the dog. Well, I don't know, but find a place this week to pray. Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He's a morning person. Left the house and went off to a place, a a solitary place where he prayed. This is what Jesus did. So you need a time, you need a place, and you need a plan. You need a plan. How are you going to pray? What are you going to do when you get in there? Have you ever heard somebody pray, and they're like, man, I just finished praying for two hours. And in your mind, you're like, that's great. What is he praying about? For two hours? Is he like going through the yellow pages? How do you pray for that long? Well, the disciples asked Jesus one time, how do you pray? Oh, we want to pray like you. And Jesus gave the Lord's Prayer. How many grew up praying the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on. Okay, that whole prayer was not given for you just to recite over and over. Go give me five Our Fathers. Okay, let me, let me, let me prove it to you. Would you like the one, your loved one, your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, to come to you every day and tell you, I love you, you're great, you're the best husband in the world, I think the world of you. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. 
There's a six-point outline. I'll teach you this Thursday night at prayer meeting, 7 o'clock. Our team will preach, uh, give it to you. And I believe with all my heart it will revolutionize your prayer life because you have a plan. You're praying through the Lord's Prayer. Each of those are going to be a bullet point. Start off with Thanksgiving. And then you move into look, your, your kingdom come. Pray for all of your life. And, and then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I have need. And you're taking these as an outline to pray for specific things in your life. It'll change you, everybody. It'll change you. Let me give you one more thing. Um, I think it's important. Number three. Number three. I promise you, your life will be better when your spiritual life gets better. Here's number three. Read and submit to God's word. Read and submit to God's word. Read it every day. The very first thing I do when I wake up, I'll pray, I'll grab my phone, and as all the temptation to go on Instagram and, and Facebook and check email and all that stuff, I read my Bible first. You can read the one-year Bible uh, on our, our website, or you can read the one-year Bible on the uversion.app, the whole Bible in 15 minutes a day. So you can set it that time apart and just know I'm going to read through the Bible. So here's what I'm doing when I read the Bible. I'm not trying to change it. I'm trying to have it change me. So many times we read the Bible and we're trying to argue with God. And we try to, well, how did you inter- how do you interpret that verse? You don't need to interpret it. Just read it and do it. We argue with the Bible so many times. What would happen if we just took the New Testament and we said, God, you've written this to New Testament believers. We want to obey what's in this book. I promise you everything would change in your life. <clears throat> Let me give you some scripture on this. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of God endures forever. Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book, the Bible, the, the law, always on your lips. Meditate on it. Doesn't mean Eastern philosophy where you're like, mm-hmm. that's emptying your mind. Biblical meditation is filling your mind with the word of God. Meditate on it. Chew on the word of God. And day and night do this so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Watch this. Here's a promise. Then you will prosper and be successful. How many want that? We all want to prosper and be successful. Guess what? You need God's blessing for that. How do you get God's blessing? Obedience. Work it backwards. Start with obedience. Then comes God's blessing. Then comes prosperity. I'm preaching about 65% better than you're saying amen right now. I know it's an incredibly practical message, but I'm telling you, this will help you. Here's another verse, Psalm 1. Blessed, blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way of sinner that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, people who mock the things of God, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And he meditates on his law day and night. That person, somebody say that person. Say that's me will be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do will prosper. Some of you know John 3.16. You need to know 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every day do this. Every day do these things. Every day pray. Every day read your word and submit to it. Every day. Every day. And I'm telling you, God's going to come into your life and change. Okay, here's, here's one, more, one more thing. You need to, this probably wasn't even on your radar. We need to maintain meaningful and healthy relationships. Maintain meaningful and healthy relationships. Because you can detox through this detox series 
But if you go back and you have some friends that are taking you astray, leading you in the wrong directions, you are the sum total of your relationships. Show me your friends. I will show you who you are becoming. It's very important. Students, you need to listen to that. Period. That's a hands-down axiom that will always be true. I don't know if you know this or not. Many people don't like this. But your spiritual growth is directly connected to God's people. Some people say, it's just me and Jesus. It's just going to be me and him. God never intended for that to be. Matter of fact, whenever God blesses you, look at me, everybody. It's usually through people. Whenever God warns you about something, corrects you, it's usually through people. Whenever God grows you, matures you, heals you, James 5, 16, it's through people. So if you don't have the right people in your life, you're missing out on so much that God wants to do in your life. <coughs> Hebrews 3, 13 says, but encourage whom? One another. How often? Encourage one another daily. You can't do that if you're not in a small group of people. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that no one, none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If I get alone for too long, I go sideways. If you get alone for too long, you don't have voices of other people encouraging you, man, you're going to go sideways fast. You'll fall into depression. You'll fall into maybe, you know, wrong desires. You make wrong decisions. We need each other. This last verse, Hebrews 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't look at anybody. But encouraging whom? One another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Can I tell you, everybody, the power of small groups is incredible. Our small group semester begins in a couple of weeks. September 14th, that Wednesday of that week, Excuse me, we're going to launch small groups. It's going to be life-changing for many of you. What it is a small group? It's a, it's a group that's small. You get, to, you get together once a week for 13 weeks. You can gather for any purpose. It doesn't matter what it is, for almost. I mean, you get basketball, there's bike riding, there's dog walking, there's Bible study, there's prayer, worship. You just get together whatever you like to do and you're already doing. Your life is your group, so you're already grouping. Let's get together with some other friends in our church or outside the church, doesn't matter. And then one, one time, one time place in the group, you're either going to just pray, simple prayer, like, hey guys, let's just get, get up and real, let's pray real quick for each other. Have a great week. Or a devotional or read a scripture or a testimony, something, just one of those things. What happens is God moments start to take place. Hey, this guy's, he said he's going to lose his job this week. Can we just pray around him, fellas? Yeah, let's pray. Boom, a God moment happens. And you're building relationship with people. And pretty soon, pretty soon, you begin to understand how powerful community is. And that God's purpose and plan will be, it will be fulfilled in you as we do life together. You are better, stronger together. Amen, everybody. Come on, if you believe that, let's clap our hands and say a good amen today.